Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Knoll, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Jason Leverin, welcome to Listening with Leaders. You are the Chief Operating Officer and President of At Work, which can be found at atwork.com. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, Doug, excited to uh, to be a part and uh, share some stories with you. So you you have a really interesting background. Why um, I know about you because I interviewed you on Authority Magazine, but I would like you to tell us a little bit about your backstory for those that are listening and have never met you before. Yeah, it was a it, it's an interesting background because when I look uh, in the mirror and who I am today in the staffing industry and the franchising industry, it's not really where I came from. I didn't intend to be here, um, but kind of landed in it like like most people kind of found that niche and that sweet spot. You know, I started my professional career in the golf industry and actually worked for a golf products manufacturer and, you know, spent some time, you know, hanging out with PGA pros and, and uh, marketing, uh, you know, clubs and balls uh, to, to the, you know, the mass audiences through big box chains uh, and opportunities arose that uh, allowed me to start looking for my next adventure in a career. And I kind of fell into the uh, temporary staffing space you know, found some uh, roots there and, and really uh, established myself with at work as a sales, you know, VP of sales, and and really uh, just took the the exciting ride to get me to where I am today. It's been a fun story, though. I mean, going from golf to uh, to to temporary staffing, uh, looking at golf products and moving to kind of, you know, human capital and focusing on human, uh, you know, you know, really workforce uh, efficiencies and things of that sort, whole different animal. I was going to say, I, I was just thinking, what are, what did, what did you learn that the differences were between selling a product, a recreational product, oh. like golf equipment, and and then basically working with people? What? Well, I'll tell you, working in an industry that's typically a recreation, it is what it's cracked up to be. It's it's very much what people think. It's a it's a definitely a fun industry to be in, mm-hmm. uh, and great opportunity to make good connections. Um, but but you're making it really a surface value on something like uh, uh, like golf, like entertainment. In, in the staffing industry, we're making real impact in, in people's lives and in companies' lives. I mean, we're helping, I mean, no joke, literally helping people find their next opportunity that helps put food on the table for their families. And so the impact that you can make in your community through what we do on a daily basis is just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, and, and you can feel the difference there. So, so you, you, your, your company at work is... You're you're in the staffing business, but you're really a franchisor. Tell tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's kind of layered uh, uh, in in the sense of you know yes, boots on the ground and in our branches uh, throughout the country, we are you know helping clients find great employees, helping you know employees find great opportunity job opportunities. But kind of pulling back one layer, we're also helping entrepreneurial minded individuals enter the staffing space. And so we're helping them, you know, get their businesses open. We're helping them find efficiencies through the the resources that we provide as a, as a franchisor. And, uh, and, and through those efforts, it helps us position and helps our owners get really, really successful, grow their businesses more rapidly, more successfully, more effectively. So yeah, we're a couple of different hats on that front, but ultimately it's similar kind of outcomes. We're helping people 
kind of achieve their, you know, their goals, their personal right. goals, their financial how, goals. How many franchisees does that work have now? So, so we've got about 60 franchise owners over about 115 or so locations. If I were to look at sprinkle and pin drops on the maps, we've got a lot of multi-unit owners. We've okay. got some single unit owners, but uh, we're rapidly growing. We've got um, some aspirations for growth over the next five to 10 years where we're adding anywhere from 12 to, to 20 new franchise owners a year over those that time period. So we look to double our owner count and hopefully triple or quadruple our branch location count wow. in that short period of time. Does, does your company have a niches that it fills? I mean, I, I know a lot of staffing companies will sometimes specialize or, or have a narrow focus. What about you? Yeah, yeah. So we, I, I guess the best way to describe our model is is a commercial staffing branch or commercial staffing organization. So we're effectively generalist that w- when people look at staffing and they think about staffing, you know, many people go to that, um, you know, kind of day labor services, or they go the other end of the spectrum where it's like IT staffing, healthcare staffing, things of that sort. We're kind of in the middle. So when, when we look in the mirror, we help, you know, kind of your uh, uh, early skill kind of entry point career opportunities within manufacturing facilities, warehouse distribution, things of that sort, and within call centers uh, and clerical type uh, opportunities. So, you know, direct competitors in the space are kind of some some household names, Kelly Services, Manpower, things of that sort. Right. Those are our day-to-day kind of uh, competitors. So. so you've been doing this for quite a while. I think since, I was going to say in the early 90s. Yeah, uh, 2000s, 2000s. Yeah, not that old yet. I don't have any hair. I've lost it fast. Yeah, I think yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it 2007 that you joined the firm? I think I read. I started that work in 07. Yeah, good memory. And uh, yep. I was actually with a larger firm prior and cut my teeth in the industry, uh, a company called Ronstad. So started uh, down the pathway there and uh, and then obviously joined the at-work group and haven't looked back since. It's been a wild uh, ride. Yeah. The other thing I, re- I remember is, and I smiled, is that you were kind of a young buck then, and it went, didn't take you long. What, a year or two before the owner of the company tapped you to become the COO? Yeah, it was pretty, you know, it was a, again, it was a pretty wild ride. And, and you know, I joined uh, at work in 07, and, and I'm sure as many of your listeners experienced the 07, 08 kind of you know, Wipe this all out. Ride. Yeah, yeah, the ride uh, that is the uh, Great Recession there. Right. Uh, it, it it impacted us as well. Impacted impacted workforce. Unemployment rates were high. We experienced some significant change internally. You know, I, I think I just uh, was in the right. I hate to say right place, right time, but I also put the right energy. I I, I really took the bull by the horns. I, I grabbed the reins and ran with it when the owner needed somebody to really do that. Um, and, and, you know, I, again, I continue to do that. And so it's been a it's been a really exciting opportunity to be able to really drive an organization of at work size and scale, uh, bringing kind of, uh, you know, new ideas, new concepts to the staffing industry, trying to innovate. You know, unfortunately, the industry tends to be kind of, uh, you know, uh, innovation is really not as as present in our space as other industries. And we're trying to change that. I know me and some of the, my peers in the space that are really trying to push the envelope forward. Um, unfortunately, temporary staffing gets sometimes a negative, uh, a little bit of a negative rap. And so we're really trying to change that through very, very high levels of service uh, attention to detail on that front. So, yeah. Uh, what have you learned in the last, let's see, this is it's almost 20 years. Yeah. So I, I will tell you, one of the things I am, uh, since I was a kid, like a perfectionist, I, I'm like uh, very, very, I, I like control. I like it to be just so. And uh, if I had to point one thing that I've learned, it's that it's okay to to uh, to relinquish some of that control. Uh, ident- find people you trust, build a team that you trust, give them the tools and resources to be successful and let them do their thing. 
and, uh, and, and to me, that's the, that's the way to scale. I mean, one person can't do it all. And I had to keep telling myself that if I really want to take this organization to, uh, you know, a top 10 staffing firm in the U S the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to, uh, to really identify a, a just a killer team to get out there and make it happen uh, again. And that's what I'm doing. That's what we've done. So if, if I had learned any one thing, that's the, if I could go back in time and tell young Jason what <laughs> what to change more rapidly would be that. So. A lot of people have that problem. I mean, they feel like they've got, to, especially entrepreneurs, they feel like they've got to control everything. Yeah. How, did you, how did you overcome the anxiety of letting go? I, you know, I had, again, it's it's hard. It's not easy. I mean, I still have the anxiety at times, uh, but but know that, um, you know, it's all about identifying a team that has similar values, who has similar desires to achieve uh, goals that uh, that are we're all aligned towards. And, and it helps because I know that their intentions are there. And, and while they may do things slightly different than the way I do things, the outcomes still result in in mutually desired outcomes. And so it goes back to try, one, building the team, coaching and developing your team, getting them to where uh, you know they need to be and where you're comfortable, and then letting them do their thing and giving them the trust. Let them make, let people make mistakes. It's okay. Mistakes can be fixed and rectified. And, you know, and those, those mistakes help them learn and become better leaders within each of their departments. So, uh, you know, you, you just said something that I'm hearing over and over again on my podcast with leaders. And that is, I hire people that have similar values to mine and share the same values that I have. And that's one of the that's one of the major criteria I use in, in my hiring decision. Tell me about that a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, when you look at how we differentiate, I mean, one of the big things with that work as a franchisor, we look at our customer base. If I'm going to just put on the franchise hat for a minute, our customer base is our franchise owners. And at work differentiates through our high uh, level of service. I mean, it goes back the sign behind me says at work for you, maybe reverse right. camera at work for you. Mm-hmm. And that really, uh, we, we embrace that, um, that tagline. So, uh, so greatly that we rewrote our mission around that focus to be at work for you, our franchise owners. And they then downstream that to their clients and talent in the field, but that service focused approach to how we engage with our owners really uh, lends itself to me and that in my mindset of how we, are able to effectively differentiate against uh, our competition in the franchise staffing space. And then again, finding people that, that understand that uh, we can differentiate through our service and our levels of service to our, our clients and town or to our franchisees, but then indirectly our clients and talent. Mm-hmm. That really helps. If you get somebody who's kind of a lone wolf or, or very, uh, it doesn't fit within our organization. Culture is really everything. And we're really a kind of that servant leadership type mentality where we're engaging with our our franchise owners from a from the the position of how can we help you achieve your goals, which ultimately helps us achieve our goals. So we're all kind of driving and and you know rowing in the same direction, whatever uh, expression you want to use there. We're just going towards the same outcomes that we're all uh, looking to go towards. So so does the same principle apply to your to your potential franchisees? That when you're you're interviewing people and they're interviewing you and everybody's doing their due diligence on each other, that one of the things you're looking at is what 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 is this person's fundamental values? Are they in? Yeah, they- absolutely. That's yeah, in the franchise space, and that's that's very uh, interesting. Great question. I mean, when we're evaluating prospective owners, and that's a it's a two way evaluation, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'm buying a franchise. You're just going to give it to me. That's not really how mm-hmm. this works. It's it's less transactional than what most people think. It's not like we have a, a franchise territory on a shelf and somebody can just, anybody can just pick it up and buy it. We are looking for that stronger fit. So we're looking for people that one, 
would would bear the at-work name well and be a good uh, steward and, and ombudsman of the brand in their local communities. Uh, so that is a huge, huge component of it. We're also looking for somebody who's got the drive, the motivation, the interest and willingness to put the effort into to be successful because the staffing industry is not easy. It's very lucrative. There's lots of upside to it. There's lots of scale opportunity. But at the end of the day, to get there, it takes a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. so. What's it take usually for uh, a new franchisee to get start becoming profitable? And, you know, it varies from person to person, of course. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, it depends on the circumstance, depends on the market they're in. I'll tell you the one universal is it takes a lot of hard work, resilience, tenacity. I mean, uh, and again, I know those, but again, varying based on what clients because customers are different, right. uh, pay rates and bill rates are different. You know, there's some consistencies, but at the end of the day, we have benchmark targets that we you know kind of lay lay down on pretty universally over our branches. Um, you know, we look to help them them grow and scale. I mean, we've got those the the anomalies, the the mega branch, the ones you know one or two of our hundred plus locations that are doing you know forty million dollars, fifty million dollars a year, and then on average we were doing four point two million dollars a year, five million dollars a year on average on the branch. But um, all in all, though, you know, when you compare it to you know other franchise opportunities out there, you know, you can't get that level. Even there's no hope of ever hitting those type of levels in most uh, concepts outside of the staffing industry. What um, you've been doing this for a long time now. What is it that gets you excited in the morning? You get out of bed and say, yeah, time to go to work. <laughs> I, you know, I like making impact at, at scale. I, I really love that uh, we're able to differentiate through the levels of service. We're able to make a change. And as we grow, as we get uh, bigger, our voice and our impact gets larger. You know, I, I hate the fact that, uh, again, at times our industry gets mislabeled and, and you know, is kind of vilified in some some instances. And you see it across uh, and, and maybe I'm using extremes in that statement. But at the end of the day, the perception could be is tend, typically negative when people think about temporary staffing. We're here to change that. You know, we're highly focused, hyper focused on service. You know, our net promoter scores. I'm not sure if you or your, your uh, listeners are familiar with net promoter score methodology. Um, it's it's primarily customer service, customer satisfaction scoring systems that are really proven to show companies with higher net promoter scores, um, you know, generate longer term customers, better profit margins, things of that sort. You know, we've got quite literally world class industry leading net promoter scores on both our client and talent side. We've got unbelievable net promoter scores on our franchise owner side. Um, so not only we do we say we service better, do we say that we do these things, we're proving it through our actions and then our customers, our clients, our talent, our franchise owners are confirming that through their responses to our ongoing surveying, ongoing questioning, because we're in this consistent, persistent state of improvement. Um, yeah, that, that's one thing, continuous improvement for me is always looking in the mirror saying, okay, what can I do different? What can I do better? I'm, I don't want to be okay with just being okay at things. So How do you... How do you scale a business like yours? So you you say you want to you know obviously grow, almost exponentially. How do you do that? Yeah, it's easier said than done. I mean, a lot of you know obviously we have to build the infrastructure that supports the scale, and that's that's one of the benefits that we have is we've built this uh, really this machine here, this franchise, to be able to uh, give us effectively limitless scale. We can add staff to support new owners onboarding, but when it comes to software, financial, you know, banking. Uh, uh, technology, all those different pieces, it's primed and ready. We just need to, again, get willing participants, our franchisees to join the system mm -hmm. and uh, start building and growing their business. So we've got that component of it. And then it's you know really the challenge, the hardest part is finding owners to to, to join us. And so we're actively working hard. We've, we've quintupled our franchise development uh, team. We, we, for years, for 30 years in this industry, we've had 
one or two franchise development folks. We've now got five. And so we're out there really spreading the spreading the word and trying to identify great, uh, you know, entrepreneurial minded individuals to see them, see the uh, opportunity and, uh, and and really join us on this fun ride. So what kind of, what, as you look across your operations now, what kind of people are attracted to becoming franchisees? You know, uh, what we found is logically you might think, OK, people from our industry, because, I mean, you've got thousands and thousands of temporary staffing branches across the country. A lot of mom and pops, a lot of company owned stores, people who are find success in the industry who, you know, say, you know what, I've done this for somebody else for a long time. I can do this for myself. So we have a sum of that. But at the end of the day, a lot many times people who approach us, you know, are people who have been successful in business, successful in life, who have some taste of our industry indirectly through their employer. Maybe their employer has used staffing firms before and or they were the direct decision maker who's actively participated and were intrigued by the business model. Uh, if I had to kind of label one industry, I don't really have any one specific place or industry or type of people that have joined us. We've helped people really of all backgrounds, all walks of life. There are people that that get it a little bit faster, a little bit easier than others. Um, at the end of the day, our industry is very sales and business development focused. We're a B2B based service concept. So we're selling uh, to the clients to, hey, use our services, but we're also selling candidates. Hey, you should come to work for us as well. So it's very, very sales centric, very sales focused. Hmm. And being in an industry that deals with with people, you have to be very, you know, uh, cognizant of that and be very effectively people friendly. If you don't like dealing with people, we, this is the wrong industry for you. So, Well, that gets me to my next question. This this show is called Listening with Leaders because I'm I train people how to listen to do nice. these listening. And how important is listening in your business? Oh, it's it's absolutely critical. I mean, when you're dealing with people, I mean, you, you, everyone has different feelings, emotions, perceptions, and you've got to be able to understand that and and adapt accordingly based on you know the circumstances, the situation, whatever the case may be. And sometimes what people are saying and what you think you hear may not be what they're actually saying or trying to convey. So it's really important that you uh, do take the time to to listen, but also put yourself in their shoes and try to identify, kind of see where they're coming from and what's got them where they are. And we try, you know, obviously try to adapt and, and meet them where they are, if, if at all possible. Um, you know, whether it be in a sales process, because that's just you know, best practice when it comes to sales and overcoming objections and things of that sort, trying to understand the pain points and overcome those. But but when dealing with your internal teams and staff and trying to motivate teams, you know, when they have a certain perception on something and trying to convey that perception, trying to, you know, listen to hear them, to help them feel heard, but then also in the same token, help influence their uh, actions to more positive outcomes for them. Yeah, what I... In the same vein, um, what I teach my graduate students, uh, I teach down at Pepperdine University at the law school um, in the Strauss Institute of Dispute Resolution. I teach them um, to listen, then problem solve. And we divide the process up so that until somebody feels deeply heard, they're not going to be open to solving whatever problem is in front of them. And the beauty of it is you can listen to somebody and get them open, make them feel, get them validated and heard in less than a couple of minutes. People don't need to this street stuff. And Hours of, yeah, 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 exactly. They don't need it. If you know what you're doing, if you know what to listen for and how to validate people, you can get them calmed down. And then they're open and receptive to figuring out, okay, what do we need to do to fix this problem? Or where do we go from here? Or in the case of conflict, how do we make things right? What do we, how do we, you know, whatever it might be. And to your point, when leaders 
engage in this kind of listening process. They become the leaders that everyone wants to follow because they care and they're showing empathy. They get me. They get they me. Get exactly yeah, correct. Yeah. And that's the reaction that everybody gets when they're feeling deeply listened to. Oh, you really get me. And in the sales process, I do a lot of sales training. And uh, the, in the sales process, the first thing I teach salespeople is for the first five minutes of your sales call, don't say a word. You can ask a couple of open-ended questions, but all you're going to do is listen and reflect. And you really, what you're going to do is listen and reflect emotions, not words. That's I've the- actually seen it's it's funny, Doug, because I've seen salespeople talk their way out of a sale. And Absolutely. it's like, just stop talking. <laughs> Selling is not telling. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard for Bill. So it's interesting that you you've had all those same experiences. Um, especially in a business that's just totally involved around people. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we, we deal with similar, you know, at times we look at our industry and feel uh, that the industry has been commoditized. It's very price driven. You know, hey, what's, you know, the first questions we get, what's your rate, which rate? At the end of the day, the rate differences result in pennies per hour on, on the on, on rates. Right. You know, that's not really typically the issue. It's a, a lot of times it goes back to what are the, you know, the client or prospective client that you're working with real issue that they're trying to solve. And if you don't know what that is, you know, you know, matching a rate or focusing on a few pennies on a rate is not going to solve that underlying issue. No. And, people, and so, yeah. yeah, people come in with a staffing problem. They come to one of your one of your one of your stores. Um, they've got a they've got a serious problem they've got to solve. They yeah. wouldn't go to they wouldn't go to us. Uh, short-term staffing unless they had something really serious in front of them so they've got anxiety and worry and concern and they're also maybe a little skeptical that they haven't used staffing before or they're worried exactly. the personnel they're going to get are not going to be competent um you know there are a lot of barriers that are uh, emotional barriers it yeah. just strikes me that when you address those barriers and get people calmed down then you can have the discussion about okay how do we serve you and price doesn't become, and price doesn't become an, a, an issue at that point yeah, I mean, because you're delivering real solutions, and and yeah. usually people are willing to pay for a, an actual solution if they perceive it to be a true solution. So yeah, I mean, people talk all the time about how, uh, you know, it's too expensive, right? Yeah, but in relation to what you know, if it, in if relation you to what, problem, if, yeah, if you yeah. solve the problem, then price is no object. We have a uh, we have an interesting uh, approach to that, and it's something that um, it, it's challenging because every industry is slightly different. But you start evaluating our world if we're dealing with a large manufacturer and they're you know down talent and they have production facilities that are down, their outputs are down at the facility level, um, and and you go back to okay, you know our rate is X, you're looking for Y, but at the end of the day, with those lines that are down, we know we can provide real impact and solutions. Those lines are down. Lines are down. Your income is zero. You know, you, your right. your your efficiencies are gone. And so we look at you know the delta on rate versus the production deficiencies. I mean, exactly. there, there's some extensive you know there's there's spreadsheets and calculators and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, the logic is if you find great talent and, and most most organizations, when you ask leaders what's your most valuable asset, what do they say? People. They're people, right? right? So so why are they looking to nickel and dime then the people experience and the recruiting experience for the people? It's kind of a hard, it's a weird dichotomy that we live in in our world, but it's a reality that we, you know, deal with and, and try to overcome through effective sales tra- strategies and listening to our clients, trying to identify where the pain points are right. and attack those pain points with effective recruiting strategies or suggestions on how to improve uh, their operations. So. Right, exactly. Uh and I would imagine then that that means that that at, at the franchisee level, when the, when 
there an owner, a franchise owner is putting together a staffing, a cadre of people that, that can be um, outsourced out, that training those people, hiring the right people, supporting yeah. them all become all become critical issues to success. Exactly. Yeah. And there must be a process you use for training training your owners how to how to do that. How do you attract the right kind of talent? How do you train them? How do you motivate them? How Absolutely. do you how do you imbue in them the values so that works so that at the very lowest level, the furthest downstream, they walk And that's in. where yeah, you go back to alignment with who you're bringing in. So there's some in, right. innate inherent aspects of kind of servant leadership culture, that willingness to serve, that, uh, you know, kind of uh, personal reputation that they want to promote. That's kind of baked in. We, we train, you know, really on all facets of successful operations, including, you know, what it means to differentiate through service, what it means to deliver, you know, a great impact to the community through, you know, screening and identifying the best talent, overcoming objections and really impacting clients where their pain points are and where their, their demand really is. You know, we've got a phenomenal learning and development as a franchisor. It, it makes sense, right? For us, we're selling a great brand and obviously helping people enter this space and trying to get them up to speed as rapidly as possible. And so our learning and development department is absolutely robust. We've got, I've got you know 30 year veteran in the industry that's, wow. that's really led very, very large training efforts in, in you know, multinational organizations. Very, very privileged to have some strong talents we do on our team really helping drive that forward. So do you, you bring your franchisee back to Tennessee or some other nice place a year once a year or so for absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the uh, deal. We do an annual conference every year. We do some regional stuff as well, like from a training perspective, but you know, at the end of the day, when somebody joins the franchise, we've got a tremendous training pathway, a learning pathway for owners, for their teams uh, that involves coming here, going through our, you know, at our training center. It's in the, it's in my office here um, and, uh, and going through that process um, but then we bring everybody back together and, 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 you know, yes, there is some learning op opportunities when we bring everybody back together. That's more about the camaraderie, building that at work family. And that's what we talk about quite a bit is the at work family and how we really bolster and, and foster that culture as an organization, because, you know, yes, everybody is in their own branches and they sometimes they get feeling like they're on their own little Island and nobody is, is really there to remind them that, Hey, you're part of a, a bigger organization. We're here for you and we're together. And those, those events are literally some of the best time spent um, because of that fact, because we have to re-energize and reinvigorate one another, rekindle those relationships that we've kind of, kind of uh, have, have, uh, uh, time has kind of stretched them apart. So we do that every year. We're actually in the process of planning for our 2024 event right now, actually. I got off a call leading up to this uh, <laughs> in regards to that. So yeah. um, I'm wondering, do you have do you set up mentor-mentee relationships between your franchisees? You know, we are not there yet just because of the size of where we're at with the amount of owners, but we are, we've talked about that at length. And so that is coming very, very soon. Uh, to structure kind of a mentor-mentee relationship between new owners, tenured owners, large owners, small owners, mm -hmm. trying to help pair them up accordingly and create this really nice uh, 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 dialogue you know, within the organization. Because so. I would imagine that the owners see the same problems over and over again, and the more experienced people have figured out solutions, and they can share their experience with the with the newer people. Absolutely, and that's it. and that's where we're at. I mean, you know, there's this, uh, uh, you know great, you know, just a, a massing of knowledge that has come together with so many great owners that we have. We have legacy owners that, you know, we're, the, the franchise is 32 years old, uh, 32 years young this uh, this this coming <laughs> year. 
And so we've got owners, uh, we, we've got our very first franchise owner who just retired this past year. We, we actually symbolically kind of acquired her office from her. We have a company-owned you know, pocket in East Tennessee of company-owned locations that we keep our toes in the water. Uh, this owner was in Decatur, Alabama, right down the road from us, right near Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, she ended up retiring after three iterations of her franchise contract. She piloted in 1988 before we actually started franchising. She was one of the first kind of franchise locations off the record. And uh, and we learned a lot from uh, from her a phenomenal lady. And uh, again, you know, we had to uh, come in and, and a very uh, I guess there was a lot of emotional attachment to that that first kind of franchise office that we had in, in Alabama there and, you know, now have it in house. And so uh, but it is something we would look at these partnerships with our owners as, as really long term endeavors. We're not looking for kind of a one and done or somebody to join and kind of exit. We want those long-term family members that are going to be here for 10, 20, 30 years. That's pretty cool to see a life cycle. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. That's got to be literally she started and she was 20 years old and now she's retired and and doing quite well, her and her husband. And and it's just been a fun ride. And we've got a few other owners that were with us since 92 and 93 who are still a part of the system today and and happy to be part of the system. Mm -hmm. It sounds a lot better than flipping burgers. Oh, it, it, oh, trust me, it is. You you help somebody find that job and they pick up the phone and call you and say, I, you know, I can't thank you enough. You've changed my life. You, you know, you've impacted, you know, we, we've captured some of their stories on our YouTube channel. If you jump on there and there's a few really, really nice, um, you know, stories, not only of talent that we've helped, but also franchise owners and telling their stories, how their lives were changed through owning this uh, staffing business. So really, really phenomenal to be able to make, again, impact at scale. So. Absolutely. Well, one more question. I'll let you get back to your busy day. What's one thing, Jason, about yourself that we would never know about unless you revealed it to us? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, your listeners wouldn't know this. I, I actually did another podcast. They might have listened to it, but I have I've got a family. I've got three kids and I'm I'm very, very dedicated to my family. I, I, I've achieved a lot of great things in my career so far, and I've still got a long runway to go. I feel like I hope to have a long runway to go, uh, but I, I put priority where it, where it needs to happen. So I go, I go, I'm home for dinner every night by five 30. I have dinner with the family. I spend dedicated time with the kids. I think that's absolutely mission critical to have a, po- a positive and, and a strong work-life balance, put priorities in their place, put family first. If you've got family, uh, you know, they grow up too fast. And, and so we, I, I really put focus there. It didn't hold me back in my, oper- in, in my career and my ability to excel in my career. Um, you know, again, doesn't mean that you know, once the kids go to bed, I have to check email and respond to some things and things come up. It is what it is. But when I'm there, I'm present. When I'm here, I'm when I'm here at the office, I'm present. And I think that's a, you know, kind of a life pro tip. I think you can do it. Uh, there's lots of time management and scheduling recommendations out there. Discipline yourself, do it, and you can find success. I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I think that a lot of people complain about life, work-life balance because they're using work as a distraction from having to deal with life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about prioritization and, and sometimes you have to force it. Sometimes it's not easy and you have to, but you have to force it and you can discipline yourself and you can discipline those around you to understand, right. Hey, this is my schedule and I'm not going to waver. I'm not, I'm, I adhere to this strictly and it is what it is. And so you've got to have discipline just like in working out, just like in diet and exercise, every, all these things, if you don't have discipline, it doesn't work. It and does so work. it's all about discipline and, and, and really help, helping others see that you're serious about it. So right. discipline, patience, and persistence. Well, Jason, this has been a great conversation. So much. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful. Truly enjoyed it, Doug. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.
Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listeningwithleaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.